Ever heard of a podcast where one of the hosts has no idea what's going on? Well, now you have. Welcome to Unprompted, the show where one of the hosts shows up completely unaware of the conversation topic for the episode. From technology to society to history, life, and more, each episode features a unique topic and the hosts unravel the details together using nothing but their background knowledge and past experiences. Hosted by Luke Bogus and Jared Arts, we hope you enjoy today's Unprompted Conversation. Good evening, Lucas. Oh, I was waiting for the clap. It didn't happen. There's always the, uh, oh, there it is. All right, now we can officially start. I was kind of nervous. Well, Luke, how have you been? I've been good. Uh, you know, got a, got a nice brew to accompany this podcast. Uh, there's a really good brewery, Rubens Brews, out here in Seattle. I've really enjoyed their hazy IPAs. They got a few, so... Taking a sip on this while we talk about the uh, the topic of the day, which you're coming back with it. This is a back to back Jared week, I think. We ha- it was you was last it? week, wasn't it? Are you sure? That what was the topic not. last week? We didn't do a podcast last week. That you're technically you're right. You are right. I guess. <laughs> you're the last right. the last podcast was what the last podcast was. We just have such a bank of podcasts, listeners. We're just trying to remember, since we have such like a backlog, we're trying to remember which one of our hundreds of preloaded that we remember. I was the last one. Colonization of space. Well, I... This is what happened. Everyone. The world. (laughs) You know. I'd speak in different languages, but I can't. (laughs) I was listening to a podcast. Go figure. Um, I was listening to uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History Addendum. Oh, which, a classic. Is, uh, which is his uh, interview show. Okay. And uh, he was interviewing or talking with a guy named Max Brooks. And as I was listening to the show, some things that they were talking about, I found so interesting that I wrote them down on my grossly overpriced e-ink writing tablet <laughs> which 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 you cannot see on the screen because this is an audio podcast only. And I aspired to uh, talk with Luke about them. And so I hijacked the topic this week. But wow. hopefully, hopefully it'll be a, a, a good conversation. We love that energy. Yeah, I don't think we've had notes for this podcast since the first podcast. So it's nice that we're getting back to our uh, investigative roots prior to, rather than, you know, the 15 minutes prior, think of something. Um. Yeah, we're definitely, we're <laughs> returning to, you know, notes. We're probably going to return to hockey stick growth. I mean, yeah. This is uh, endless, endless possibilities here with this uh, kind of hard reset. We're doing yes. a pivot. pivot. Anything is a growth from zero. So hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully we see that. I think we that. have consistent five listeners. Okay. Hey, we'll, we'll so. take it. And um, yeah, if any of those five listeners want to leave feedback on the feedback forum, uh, we, would, we would love your thoughts on how this episode goes, this hijacking of, of topic. Yes. Uh, anyway, I, like we can kind of get into the topic. Let's do it. It's it's somewhat similar to a topic we've talked about before, just a little bit. Um, but I wanted to talk about the future of war and kind of somewhat um, somewhat focused a little bit on asymmetrical warfare. And so uh, there's a few different like things I heard in the Dan Carlin podcast, which I'll link that I thought were interesting. But I'd like to start first with a question. You know, Luke being so deeply knowledgeable in geopolitics, mm-hmm. how do you think the next major war is going to start? Oh, man, this is a tough timing of the question, considering there are <laughs> thousands of troops on the border of a certain country and another certain country just sent back up to the other country. Uh so this is interesting. I um, I think before before all that would happen, like or all that happened, I would have said it probably would have resulted from some like cyber incident. Like I like I don't know. I mean, like in the past, it was like oh, killing this king, you know, like killing whatever, and like like whatever. So it's like it's in, I don't know. If I would have had to naively guess as somebody who doesn't really know a lot, I would have said like some big like data incident or some big cyber shutdown tack, you know, taking down the grid, like that kind of stuff I would have said. Um, I don't know, but I'm curious what the history buff 
thinks, or maybe what, maybe you could talk about what you thought before the podcast and if that podcast changed your mind or if that's not where you're going. Okay. That's, that's, that's an interesting point to bring up. First, I'd like to say you walked like perfectly into the trap. Like Mm. your, your answer was exactly (laughs) what I wanted. Uh, but you know, I'm a predictable guy answering your question though. Um, before I'd listened to this podcast from Dan Carlin, uh, I th- I, I'd still, before this podcast, I still had a difficult time defining what war was anymore. Um, and so I, I don't know if you do this, I frequently talk to myself and thinking about and talking to myself about what um, events could spark a major war, something that I frequently did. And I can't say <laughs> I had a solid answer for it. And I still don't have a solid answer. That's one of the reasons why I kind of bringing this topic up. Um, I guess um, to start out before diving a little deeper is like a lot of this podcast I kind of want to talk about and we'll talk about something called asymmetrical warfare, uh, which has kind of like a classical definition and then kind of a is morphing into somewhat more modern definition. The classical definition is when you have a war that's fought between two unequal powers, for example, the United States and the, the Viet Cong during the Viet vietnamese war or the vietnam war um and so in that case you had two people two powers using completely different means to fight each other you know the united states was carpet bombing the entire country and then the Viet Cong were you know attacking in small guerrilla raids like trying to gain support among local populations and things like that and so it's you know, the the most basic definition that I'd like to use for this podcast is asymmetrical warfare is warfare by other means. Warfare by other means than just shooting each other with bullets and killing each other. So, um, with that in mind, um, I think that your thought of the next major war starting with some hacking incident is, like, a very plausible event. Um, so I'd like to throw a scenario out there based off of that. Uh, you're aware of NATO, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and the clauses of NATO, um, the, the treaty says if one member state gets attacked, everyone else will come to defend them, right? You know, it's the whole, and essentially what that, the point of that is that the United States will come defend you. That's kind of the, <laughs> the, the long and the short of it. So... There's been a lot of cyber attacks recently, ransomware attacks specifically. In the past few years, they've become increasingly common. And a common um, target is our hospitals, right? We kind of see this pretty frequently. The scenario I want to lay out is, a, and this was something that I'm drawing relatively strongly from the Dan Carlin podcast. Max Burke talks about this. An independent group of Russian hackers hacks into a German hospital and holds their data ransom. During that time, the German hospital is unable to process things for medications, for treatments, and a number of German citizens die as a result of that cyber attack. The first question is, Luke, are the cyber cyber criminals, and remember, their only goal was to get money through the ransomware attack, mm-hmm. okay? They weren't intending on, like, causing death. Did they commit murder? That's interesting. That's interesting because to me it's like if you would have substituted instead of hospital with name a tech company with, you know, instead of hard, like stopping systems so that they can't buy medicine, it's just like, oh, stealing their data. Like those scenarios are pretty normal today, right? Where it's just like, oh, you steal the data, you hack into it, whatever. Like, sorry, I have a plane outside. Like, I don't, like, it's interesting. I guess what I'm trying to get at is that there's been no case of like, hack that leads to events that leads to death at least that i know of 
So it's like, that's interesting. Cause like there's a bunch of cases where, yeah, like country on country attack or whatever, but like the worst case is like, Oh, I just steal money or, Oh, I just take your data. That's already probably publicly available. Like, so I don't know. I mean, to answer your question directly, like that's, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't, I don't uh, have an answer is my answer. Like, I mean, that's, that's fascinating. I don't know. Uh, so I'd like to, uh, start off my continuation by reading a headline from, uh, the technology review, which also is a headline, the Washington post, a patient has died after a ransomware hackers hit a German hospital. Now I just looked this up. I didn't know that it was a German hospital, uh, but it's the, in September 18, 2020, the first confirmed case of a death from a cyber attack. Um, and it, I haven't read the whole article, but I just thought it was interesting that I didn't know of any cases either. Wow, um, you I. Holy hell. So, um, but I guess it's a difficult question. Is it murder? But I guess for the sake of continuing the conversation, we can pretend it is that these you know, at the, or I guess at the very least, it's manslaughter, right? You know. Mm-hmm. So the next question is, you know, in in this scenario, the Russian hacker group isn't affiliated directly with like the Russian government. But if the United States requests help, or let's say the German government requests help to find and perpetrate these this hacker group, and the Russian government refuses. The next question is, is the Russian government harboring a terrorist group? Are they harboring a, are they harboring a foe? Uh, novice question for you. Things like Al Qaeda, Taliban, ISIS, that stuff, were those state sponsored? Um, not directly, although money from countries like Saudi Arabia or Iran or Pakistan or Afghanistan did, uh, trickle into them, but they were not, they were not direct state arms, uh, in almost every case. They were supported by governments in some ways, uh, but not directly, I wouldn't say, besides the Mm -hmm. Taliban, which was the government of Afghanistan for quite a while and is now. Yeah, rip. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, that's super interesting. I like, I, I don't know. You tell me, sir. Like what? Like first off, before we dive into it more, like did were these things that just like blew your mind and let you left you stumped, or was it like you had an opinion soon after it was said? Because for me, I'm just like I'm like I don't know. I don't really have an opinion. Like it's 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 fascinating. Never thought about it, but don't really have an opinion. Like I'm curious. Like with your mind, like did you? Do you? So right when I kind of heard the scenario, I didn't have an opinion. I've thought about it. I I have an un, a, a weakly formed opinion, I guess I would say. Um, and it's like, you know, it's not, I don't have anything set. So I think I'll talk about that in a little bit of what exactly I think. But I guess the question, the question becomes like in its final form, you know, is this murder? Is the Russian government hiding uh, in a you know, attack? Uh, more specifically, if these are Russian citizens, you have Russian citizens murder, quote unquote, murder citizens of a NATO state, which by the writing of the treaty that holds NATO together should trigger like the defensive clause of NATO. Um, and so the ultimate form of this scenario is if a non-state sponsored, non-state directly supported group commits an attack and then that government, even though they weren't necessarily sanctioning the original attack, defends them and supports them. Is that something that's worth going to war over? If it's a cyber attack. And I, what is and going what is going to war mean? That's a good that's a good question. I guess the better question is what's the appropriate response 
to that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have any thoughts on like, like what, if the government, I guess if the government launched nuclear weapons, I'm guessing you would say that'd be too much. Fair. If the government sent ground troops to invade southern Russia or to retake Crimea and give it back to Ukraine, would you say that's too much to punish them for this action? Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. There's a lot of like conflicting sides of me right now, I guess. It's like. We talked about it in our war pod where like I can't even fathom something happening enough so to start like a legit war. Like a bomb the town, raid the place, secure the land. Like like I would just like I I wonder and knock on wood because again there are currently troops on the border of a certain country right now. It's like I like I can't even imagine that the response to something like this. I guess this is maybe my response to your question is like I can't fathom a response to you hack this hospital, therefore you kill this one person. Now we're going to bomb your country. Like I just can't like I guess my mental model doesn't make sense of that. It's like I don't know what does. I don't know if it's like sanctions or like if you don't work with us then we're gonna like sanction off certain things or like cyber attacks back but then again that gets into this the question of you go from in you know independent groups attacking hospital and then government taking stance on other government but it's not from an individual group so like yeah where does the government step into their own citizens to have repercussions on attacking another country? so it's like i don't know like because it's interesting because it's like there's a lot of case studies of I think we can look at like non-death uh, cyber attacks like you know the classic oh Russia hacked something in the United States and stole a lot of money like I don't really ever know where that goes what happens in that case today like Russia attacks they steal 20 million dollars or whatever like what happens like the government doesn't i mean obviously there's not life but still we'll get there it's like what happens today do you know because i don't even know like what i just hear the news i'm like oh shit that's crazy and i just kind of move on right like does the u.s impose shit on them like does the u.s step in and like talk to the government like you know what i mean like i I, i'm not completely familiar with all the government steps and i think most a lot of them probably aren't completely public um the united states is a very prolific uh it's very good at cyber warfare, and so I'm sure there are tit-for-tat attacks going on all the time. Um, there also have been sanctions, I believe, uh, to Russia uh, in relation to, like, s- cyber attacks that they've pulled on the United States. Um, but there's also, you know, I don't know, I don't have details on that. There's sanctions on Russia for everything these days. So, but I guess what's interesting is, I mean... You know, one of the things it's like, it's hard to fathom, like, like you mentioned, a serious response, a military response to someone dying in the hospital from a, from a cyber attack. Um, I guess, does it like a yes or no question, some rapid yes or no questions. So prepare yourself. (laughs) Does it make a difference if the hacking group that hacks the hospital is a state organization? Like a branch of the yes. Russian military. Okay. Would it warrant... Could you see that warranting a military response? I guess, let me say, a traditional military response. See, cause the, fr- the framing of that, like my gut says yes. But again, I'm not sure if the... if Again, it's that, it's that leap from like you hacked me, therefore we're going to bomb you. Like that part I can't get behind, but I will say the gravity of a situation where is a branch of a state-sponsored group intentionally attacking the infrastructure of another country, that wages something more than independent group does the same thing. Just because, I mean, I, that the optics maybe, at least that's where my head's at, but it's like mm-hmm. I can't imagine if there's a story that comes out that says, oh, the, you know, I don't know, Marines 
United States Marines tech group or whatever the fuck it is. It's like attacks China's something like that's different than, yeah, like rogue hackers that live in Miami, like mm-hmm. do the same thing. It's like, you know, it's like to me, that seems like different gravity. But again, I mean, all the headlines, all the stuff, it's that U.S. people or Russian people or whatever. So I don't know. My gut says yes to that answer. Like if it was state sponsored, it would be would have a more gravity of a situation. But I still like I still wonder. I don't know. Maybe maybe it would warrant a bigger response because, again, it's intentionality of like the government is looking at infrastructure of another country and intentionally trying to bring it down. Like Mm -hmm. that's a a heuristic for something, probably. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you think? That's, it's really do you tough. think the difference? Do you think the difference is that that big? Because to me, that's like all the difference, which seems silly, but it is. I agree that the difference between like a state-sponsored attack and a non-state-sponsored attack is huge. I agree, like that makes all the difference. The intentionality is like huge. One question I wanted to ask next, next though was, what's the difference if there is one between a state-sponsored? You know, let's draw this out even further. A German politician that's opposed to the Nord Stream 2 pipeline comes down with COVID and is in this specific German hospital. The Russian, a branch of the Russian military hacks that hospital and holds it hostage, causing that politician to die. Just like out there theory. Second scenario, that's scenario one. Same thing happens. The Russian military sends an assassin and murders that politician with a with a rifle or pulls their cord whatever um are those equal that's interesting i mean i would say yes but i think the only reason the yes is because of the state-sponsored piece like i'm trying to think of situations in the past where rogue assassins or rogue like I guess I can't really think of anything off the top of my head of just like a cut like some a citizen of a different country comes into this country from a it's non you know just like very rogue and does something big like I can't think of well uh, the assassination of France Archduke Franz Ferdinand that set off World War One was kind of like that that's it. so that uh, th- that guy was just just a guy that was like ah eh. well he was part of a Serbian a, a group. That was like essentially a Serbian terrorist group. They called them terrorists. Uh, called the Black Hand, which was a like Serbian independence movement. Mm. And Fran- Archduke Franz Ferdinand was the prince of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, which controlled part of Serbia. And so this group's goal was to free all of Serbia because there was a country called that was Serbia, but part of the land was part of the the empire. And so him and five other assassins. Uh, attempted to, and I guess in the end succeeded at killing that that prince. Uh, there are, in what Austria thought, what kicked off the whole First World War was that Austria said this organization was funded by the Serbian government, and therefore we are going to invade Serbia because they, mm. Serbia is responsible for this, and they didn't listen to all the impossible demands that we asked of them, and so, and it's. Likely, they probably did get support from the Serbian government, but um, anyway, it was a more independent group in a, in a way which hmm. pulled off this assassination, a direct assassination of the essentially vice president, the prince of this empire, and started World War One. And so that's like, I guess that's the biggest example. Uh, there's also, I guess, like JFK was murdered by one rogue guy wasn't a citizen of the other country though. So that's mm-hmm. yeah. complicated, but yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I, oh man. Again, it's just like, I think, I think my, the, where, where I struggle is like the answers to yes to all your questions of like state sponsored target hospital hospital has politician, like in your fictitious example. But I'm just like, for some reason I'm convinced but even if that happens, there would be some escalation somewhere, the UN emergency meeting mm-hmm. or some sort of just like, whoa, now, like, 
let's all band together and just strike sanctions on these people and asking them to stop, please. Like, I can't imagine that the immediate response is like declaration of war nowadays. I, I don't know if you agree with like that gut, like thought I have, but that's just like, to me, it's just like, I feel like just because we've seen so many stories around tensions rising and falling and Oh, North Korea, what are they going to do? And then uh, nothing. And then like, Oh gosh, like we're getting hot with China and oh nothing. And it's like, Oh Russia, Oh nothing. And then like now there's a whole Russia thing. So I'm curious what happens in a month. Right. So it's like, there's so many ebbs and flows of like, it could be something. It's nothing. It could be something. So it's like, I can't fathom. It could be something. Oh shit. It's something. Oh shit. The draft. Oh shit. Like I can't, I can't imagine. I just like came and wrap my head around it. So I'm just like, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious if, do you think that it would, the action would wage war or do you think the action would wage some sort of conversation, emergency meeting, emergency, whatever talking, negotiations, sanctions, if it happens again, like, do you think there's like a lot of contingencies before people just like take the deep breath and sign the declaration to go for it? I don't know. Yeah, so my opinion is that the United States is unlikely, and I'm speaking from the United States perspective, is unlikely to declare war. Maybe almost ever again, unless it's directly attacked. Mm. Like, and when I mean say directly attacked, I mean like, directly attacked like in a military sense or something that causes a mass casualty because we have not you know we're not big on formally declaring war we've only done it a few times in our history Mm -hmm. and like modern u.s military history is not about formally declaring war we do all like you mentioned we do sanctions we do this and we do that and then the last resort is always a military action and we usually we just do it we don't declare war and we just you know do what we want to do um but as for like your original question i don't think it would warrant direct war there would be so many other things like see right now like if this were the situation in ukraine which would be interesting to talk about as we speak right now it's february 10th uh, Russia has had roughly 100,000 troops on Ukraine's border for a while. Um, they're Putin's talking big, big talk. Um, the American media is freaking out. Ukraine's kind of chill about things overall. Um, Posting but, on Twitter. Yeah. Have you seen the Twitter uh, memes? Oh, you don't have Twitter. They're like, I don't have Twitter. Their like official government account has like memes about really? Russian... Yeah, it's. I'll maybe send you some after. It's kind of so. Yeah, they're really chilling because they're literally memeing on the Russian government and like they could be attacked and overridden any day. <laughs> yeah, I think that like. Uh, yeah, I think that like you see like the United States like if this was a hundred years ago, the United States would have moved troops into Ukraine. Like, it would have been if this you know was back then. It's just not like that anymore. Like, mm-hmm. no one wants to go to war. Like, at this yeah. point, uh, people still remember how bad war was. Um, you know, there's there's a little bunch of good quotes from, uh, like, ancient Greek writers. Uh, Herodotus is a good example of how, you know, like, uh, like people, like, very big paraphrase of, like, like men, like, forget how horrible war is and start to think that it's sweet, like after a certain amount of time. And humanity hasn't forgotten the last lesson that it learned uh, Mm -hmm. in, you know, in terms of the uh, World War II and then you had Vietnam and the Iraq-Iran war. Like the 20th century was bad and we're trying not, we're trying very hard not to have like government, fighting government, like major conflicts. Mm Mm-hmm. I personally don't think Russia's going to invade Ukraine. Like, I think that... I think that's extremely far-fetched. Not saying it's impossible, but, like, I don't think that that's going to (laughs) happen. Knock on wood. (laughs) Yeah, knock on wood, knock on wood. Uh, But I think that Putin is, you know, for for all of his silliness, is too intelligent to do something so stupid. But did it in 2014, so... You brought up a really good point, actually, about, like... 
nobody wants to go to war, which I think maybe is part of my gut reaction for like, we'll do anything it takes to make sure because nobody actually wants to do that. Like, but I think the other part of it is that there are nowadays, there are better ways to wipe out a country that don't involve just nuking the shit out of all their land. Like to me, there are a lot of interesting slow death options. There's a lot of interesting, like just how economy and how money intertwines with everything. It's like, to me, there's like, if you really want to shut out a country, you don't necessarily need to bomb their capital. It's like, Oh, you just like impose wicked sanctions on them. And Oh, you just like, you know, can conduct cyber attacks. You can, there's like, there's ways to impact their infrastructure. There's ways to impact their day of life. There's a way to impact their economy that like doesn't involve. And maybe that again, that escalation might resolve in the only hope that that country then has to fight back is then with war, like not sure, but it's like part of it's like, yes, nobody wants to go to war. But I think the other part of it that's interesting is like, if they ever dig it to that point, it's like, I argue that there's maybe bigger ways to impact a country's long, long term well-being that doesn't mean killing people. And it's like, you know, die a slow death of, you know, rallying behind all your allies that just like all just won't trade or won't, mm-hmm. you know, do whatever. Um, I don't know if you think that same way. I mean, you, you just, you're leading the conversation exactly where I wanted it to go originally, which is again, too predictable. So you're, I don't know. I think you just, you, maybe I'm too predictable, but that's really interesting. The fact that there's, there's a, some good like articles and papers about essentially how like, like war is over like traditional warfare is essentially done. Like there's no point in fighting a normal war anymore. And one of the things that they also talked about in this, this Dan Carlin podcast was the use of social media to tear a country apart from the inside. And they, Holy shit. Did they talk about TikTok? No, they talked about face. They were talking about okay. uh, like, so it's, you know, pretty, widely known that you know specifically in like 2016 but you know still happening now to a smaller extent but like the russian government the chinese government you know various you know external hacking groups that were supported by governments like used facebook and fake accounts and twitter accounts and they sought to sow division in the united states and still do so um and this, I think you can see, and, and it's not every, not all of the problems in the United States are caused by external forces, of course, but there's definitely an impact from external forces, and we don't really know how big it is. It's hard to know, but you mentioned like there's better ways to like beat your enemy, and one of them might be polarizing your enemy's people so much that mm-hmm. you get them to tear the country apart. You get them to destroy the country for you. Um, because then there's no one to blame. Who are they going to escalate it to? Because they're going to be fighting themselves. And mm-hmm. I think that's just a really interesting, uh, that's like a really interesting thought because it's something we're seeing right now. Like mm-hmm. one way or another, we're seeing it in the United States, perhaps m- almost more than anywhere else, but you're starting to see it pop up in other places as well. So, yeah, I think the, the reason I reacted about the, holy shit, did you mean TikTok? Like, Hi, friends. Uh, we cut out in our recording, so that was weird. Um, we were just kind of, thankfully, it just cut out quickly, and we noticed it quickly. We weren't just blabbing off camera or off mic, so we're going to resume where we picked up, um, if that's good with you, Jared. I mean, that sounds good with me. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we make it through the rest of the podcast now. Yeah, I think the last thing that I remember saying uh, before I was just blabbing was I was talking about, you know, I interrupted Jared before and I said, oh, do you mean, do you say it's on TikTok or like, was it about TikTok? I saw this other podcast, or at least I saw a clip from the podcast that was talking about how, you know, TikTok, obviously world phenomenon when it comes to social media. But the other interesting thing is it's kind of the first non-US company or non-US yeah, based company, social media wise, that's like infiltrated another country. Like obviously, you know, social media companies have came and went in China and I think LinkedIn or might be the only survivor that might even be gone now. Not sure. But like, 
it's always been US to elsewhere rather than elsewhere to US. And so TikTok being the very first platform caught like makes you wonder, right? And I mean, obviously there was like the infamous, you know, Trump debacle to try to shut it out. But um, the, the article, or at least the podcast clip I was listening to talked about in China, obviously there's like a Chinese version of TikTok. It's called something different. And the algorithm, as you can imagine, rewards what the Chinese government wants. So rewards good acts or whatever the Chinese government wants you to see point is, is that it, it put you, they filter the content for the first part and the content they really like, meaning that feeds into their narrative is rewarded on the algorithm is pump, pumped in front of users. Ideally has a lot of likes, interactions, etc. So you can imagine something as addictive as TikTok. Well, at least it's addictive in a way that educates, improves the uh, population, which is exactly what TikTok wants or exactly what um, Chinese government wants, right? opposite end, which is on the narrative of how TikTok has really came into the rise is because of the algorithm it has. You notice here that it rewards a lot of different content. It rewards silly pranks, dumb dances, like mind-numbing content that makes us laugh, right? And it's great. It's like a not like for, for me, and that's even what I say, whenever I just need a break, I need just to get my mind numbed, I go to TikTok. Like that is the thing. So it's interesting, whether it's intentional or not, but it's interesting how obviously in China, most people might just say, oh, the Chinese government back on their shit again, which might be true, probably is true. But again, they're rewarding content that feeds to their narrative. But elsewhere, it's rewarding content that the users like. But just so happens, whether it's how they reward it or the fact that we like it already, which is already scary, it's like it's rewarding pretty naive, dumb content. So it's like, to go back to what we were saying before, that there's other ways to defeat the enemy. You talked about very, very directly Facebook, other governments making fake accounts, trying to drive division. But it's like also platforms that reward content that then maybe numb the base or maybe rewards content that causes division. So it's like it's for the first time, it's not a US platform and inject content that's bad. It's like the infrastructure, the platform itself has the capability to impact the thoughts and or reward the things that the Chinese government actually wants to see out of places like America, which is dumb, shitty dances. So it's like that was just like it was a quote that made me think about what you were talking about. And it's like there's a lot more long game type ways to destroy. Um, and for the first platform, that's a non-American platform. I mean, conspiracy or not, unsure, but just an interesting observation. Yeah, I think that is interesting. I th like, I think you bring up like a very important topic of what's like, like I think is referred to often as like, like tech imperialism, like where the mm. United States has been exporting their cultural norms and ideas throughout the world. For example, like Facebook, like infamously before 2016 like super anti-moderation um and they tried to export that in other places in the world essentially like force other places to have the same ideals as the united states um and this is the first time where the united states in some ways is becoming the colonized instead of the colonizer in terms of mm. like technology um and like the influences it's having over us um, where there's, you mentioned TikTok, the non-US company. And, you know, I can't speak to whether their algorithm is, is focused on destroying the work ethic and um, honor of the American populace, but <laughs> sometimes it seems like it. Um, but without a doubt, like, the ideas that are coming, you are know, presented in TikTok as like a platform, as a way it works, you know, is a reversal in that it is ideas coming from China to the United States on how social media works. Whereas a lot of the, the youths these days, the teens, they are the constructs of social media. They are more familiar with those that are common and China, kind of these Chinese ideas of social, what social media is, as opposed to the American constructs of social media, the Facebooks, even like we aren't familiar with Facebook. And so I think that's, it's interesting, whether it's heinous or not, it's a cultural shift in that the United States is being influenced by someone else 
which is something we're super uncomfortable with. Like we, like you mentioned, like mm-hmm. you like immediately go to conspiracy theory. Like someone's yeah. trying to like control us. Like they must be like trying to destroy the country. And you know, you don't know that for sure, but like America is just super uncomfortable with the idea of not being the one controlling everyone else ever since like World War II. So yeah, and like a majority of the people that live here don't know anything else other than the United States controlling. Like there's like not being number one in anything just like freaks us out, like rightfully so. Like, but it, it, it's it's interesting. And I think like another thought that just came to me about like we were talking earlier much about there's other like on this thread of there's other ways to impact beyond just killing. It's like, you know, we both have jobs in tech, right? And like what what's one of the biggest reasons that we joined tech? Well, for me, it was the opportunity to make an impact at scale. What other way can you push it a line of money. code? The second biggest reason I joined <laughs> tech <laughs> is the opportunity to scale. At, like, what way can you push a line of code, add a new feature, boom, have it on 100 million devices or a billion devices, right? Same thing when it comes to malicious activity. Why would you target a city and just demolish only 100,000 people when you can, you know, bomb? figuratively 350 million people of the United States via technology, via targeting a grid, via cyber attacks, via whatever that isn't just like, obviously it'd be super sad and people would rally behind if somebody bombed like Cincinnati or something, but like what better way to impact at scale while ideally for us, we think it's positive. It's like from a negative way than to, you know, weaponize technology versus just, use weapons on a centralized area. And like, obviously maybe the ability to nuke the heck out of an entire country at once, maybe the technology's there might be, but I I don't know if you think about like that being a part of the equation as well, just the impact, the, the, the swift impact that tech can have versus uh, centralized um, attacks. I don't know. I mean, I think that you, you had a good, point earlier in the podcast where you mentioned that it's really like these new cyber type attacks in terms of like using social media and whatnot are really like a long game of like dividing countries you could consider in some ways breaking down moral character like you could consider like in a lot of ways like social media is like super bad for us our like mental health as like a society like our generation is like in a lot of ways, like, super fucked up in, like, the way, like, you know, there's it's very high and, you know, not in, like, a bad way, just, like, we have high rates of mental illness. And, like, there's not, it's not completely known, like, I haven't read enough psychology studies on, like, where all that comes from, you know? Is it social media impacting us? And then the question is, like, if, like, let's say, quote-unquote, you know, China wants to take us over, wouldn't it be nice if just, like, the whole American population was just, like, depressed and, like, didn't really care. Like, wouldn't that be beneficial? Like, I see, like, there's always two parts of war, right? In, like, World War II, there was the bombing and the shooting, and then there was the radio broadcasting, the dropping pamphlets over cities, mm-hmm. talking, trying to shift the morale of the enemy. Um, in, in some ways... Maybe this is completely different, and maybe this is just the new radio and pamphlets, where the future war might have, you know, conventional warfare, and then social media is the place where you try to destroy the enemy's morale and destroy their will to keep going um, by shifting their population, by turning their population against each other, um, instead of just, maybe it's not like the end goal, maybe it's just the a tool to help. Mm-hmm. So to bring it back, if a non-state sponsored group attacks the hospital of another country, is it murder and should it wage war? What's your opinion? Is it murder? Yes. At least manslaughter, I guess. Should we wage war? Probably not. I don't think that modern warfare is worth it in almost any situation. Um, 
that's 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 where I stand right now. It's the final verdict. After after that. Is it murder? Yes. Would ever be mm. Is it murder? Yes. Does it ever like are they indicted? Are they like is it become like officially on paper murder? I wonder. Like I think the I, I don't know. I feel like all countries except for the country that was under attack will do anything it takes to not classify it as murder. Like mm-hmm. because then that again wages higher severity. So it's like, yes, probably, but like anywhere outside of Germany, it's probably not called that. Is it gonna wage a war? No, I don't think so. But it's like an interesting study into if that happens more frequently, like it'd be interesting to see the path people take to wage other types of war, whether it be, I mean, sanctions are a classic, but just like other, other ways that are just like, how do you like, you know, and maybe it's at the hinge of, you know, Oh, if we don't give us this information, we'll do this. Like, I don't know if it's gonna be from that angle or just because it happened, we're going to do this like unclear. But I think that this is not invading. I think that this is, you know, pretty, pretty plain sanctions, I would say, but I don't know. That's probably where I stand. I, this was, this was interesting. This, this brought me out of my zone of, of knowledge of thinking. I mean, I, I, I can't say I talked to myself about, uh, how war would happen. I can't say that's what I do, but it, uh, it's cool to kind of hear you talk about it and how you, how you think about it. Well, I think it was a great conversation. I think I, I really enjoyed getting your perspective because you, um, you did, I feel like you, you know more than you give yourself credit for on this one. You had, well, I, I appreciate that. I'm just kind of talking out my ass. That's part of the fun of this episode <laughs> or this show. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I guess yeah. Tune in next week to uh, when we review the uh, review the uh, invasion of Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> next episode, do we think U.S. will wage war? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I certainly hope that that's never a title of one of our episodes. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, I think we'll probably start wrapping up here. But we have a regularly scheduled segment that we do might just be a. a continuation i guess we'll see luke is luke gets to control this so yeah i think uh you know on the theme of war we've t- you know we're talking about ways to wage war well first off i'll back up for all of our new listeners perhaps we have a regularly scheduled segment where jared's big brain is able to know a lot of things about history and events in the past um and i come to the table with a location a time frame a person or a place or something to where Jared is able to crawl out a very interesting history fact that I'm always mind blown by. So Allegedly. today's question is going to be around war, obviously. I think the most famous like non-war war is obviously the Cold War. Are there any other like non-war wars that are interesting either in history, like just long bouts of, you know, back and forth and kind of backs against each other? Like I like Cuban Missile Crisis type stuff? Like, is there any other, like, interesting, like, I don't know, wars that were almost wars but weren't? Or long-term, like, Cold War type things that wasn't the U.S.-Russia Cold War? So, of course, the whenever we want to look for analogies for the modern world, it's best to go back to classical, the classical Mediterranean. Obviously. Obviously. And so the most interesting, in my opinion, one of the most interesting periods of history, like just absolutely, is the like early mid classical period of the burgeoning Roman Republic. Okay. So this is the, as everyone would know, the Roman Republic right before and during the Punic Wars when they defeated Carthage and when Hannibal crossed over the Alps. It's a fascinating it's a fascinating like political state and social state um, how like a, a country back then had such a strong government institution, um, such a strong martial law. Um, it's just it's fascinating overall. But that was Rome. What many people do not know is on the other side of the Mediterranean, in the Middle East, there was an empire, and I will probably mispronounce this, uh, the Seleucid Empire which was one of the successor empires. So after Alexander uh, the Great had conquered pretty much all the Middle East, 
Um, after he died, it was split up between four of his generals. One of them, one of one of their names was Seleucid, um, and the Seleucid Empire was a giant empire that encompassed Syria, Iraq, Iran, um, parts of Afghanistan and India, and there was this long-standing tension between the Seleucid Empire and the Roman Empire, where they would um, they would sp- similar to, uh, very similar to like uh russia and the united states or this, the soviet union and the united states in the cold war would would fund proxy wars between other groups that were fighting on their behalf they would mm. send money uh, to support governments that they liked in city states and countries that they liked and they like they did fight battles obviously i mean there was hundreds of years history but there were large periods of time where they didn't and one of the most interesting um, kind of incidents was when these uh, Seleucid king um, or a uh, yeah, king, not an emperor, had like started to march an army to invade Egypt, which they didn't control. And the Roman Republic sent an envoy to the Seleucid king. And the story goes, which this is not necessarily true, but it's a good story, is that the Roman envoy took his staff walked up to the Seleucid king and drew a line, a circle around him in the sand and said, before you step out of this circle, you will have your answer of whether your empire will survive or be crushed by the Roman Republic. And that's going to be based on if you decide to turn around and head back or if you decide to invade Egypt. Ultimately, he didn't invade Egypt, but that's supposedly where the 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 phrase draw a line in the sand comes from wow from there but it's just a it's a really interesting i mean we could talk like the geopolitics of the classical mediterranean is like crazy because you think it's like this ancient history but like when you read it it reads like the cold war it reads like um periods in like world war one and world war two like just the complexity of like these uh these states but i thought that's a really interesting one uh one of the multiple like quote-unquote cold wars that rome had uh with different um kind of eastern empires uh, that was one of them that had a good story attached so wow always impressed and uh draw a line in the sand as as a product manager that is something i unfortunately say on a weekly if not daily basis so now in the now origin can, now in the next next pm meeting you can just say like hey senior pms i have something you might not know yes <laughs> <laughs> instant promotion Yes, instant promotion. But I guess with that, that kind of that can conclude our podcast. That was a good one. I uh, I, I appreciate that. That can be a, that can be a future podcast sometime. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, uh, I guess thank you everyone for listening. Um, hope you uh, you know, stay safe. Uh, keep yourself away from cyber crimes and, uh, yes. and any future wars. Uh, and. Uh, Come back next week uh, for whatever whatever the podcast might be. That's true. And who knows who's going to bring the topic and who knows if that person's going to take notes. But all we know is it'll be a lot of fun for us. And we hope that a few people enjoy it too. Yeah. But thanks everyone for listening. We'll, we'll talk to you next time. See you cool. guys. See ya.